Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Welcome back, Dharma family. We're here, another episode of Conversations with Z and Vin. And today, man, we have a real profound philosophical topic. Z, we are talking about the purpose of life. Why are we here? What do we really want to get out of our short time on this planet? And this came up because, uh, frankly, you and I have been bitching back and forth this entire week about family dynamics and complaining about our spouses and all the the stress uh, that sometimes they bring. And I don't want to make this about men versus women. I'm sure they could have a similar session and complain about us all day. Uh, but anyway, we found ourselves in this conversation where we're just talking about some of the routines and the stresses and the fears and the anxieties and how all of that just robs us of joy. And we started talking about Buddhism. And there have been different Buddhist monks who've made the observation that the purpose of life is joy. Now, that doesn't mean we're running around on some cocaine-fueled binge or we're out there on a shopping spree or our eyes are open for 72 straight hours because we're playing video games and we're on this rush. Joy is more this sense of peace, stillness, contentment, harmony. We, we just feel good. We feel good to be alive. We feel at peace with our situation. We feel like we've done what we need to do. And that state, if we really go into it, sometimes if you sink into it, if you allow the the weight of the thoughts and the stresses to, to just fade away and you just do something simple like you, you sit and you allow all of this mental detritus to melt away, man, you just feel good. You feel good sitting. You feel good breathing. I came back the other day. I'd had a rough day for no particular reason, but sometimes whatever, there are small things that maybe accumulate and I came back home. I wasn't in a good mood. I was feeling a lot more anxious than I normally do. And I saw my kids, and just a few minutes with my kids, I felt good. I felt recharged. They brought a certain lightness, certain joy to me. So we're not always going to be in that state, but the purpose is to get there. And what that implies is we want to live in a way where we are constantly clearing away obstacles, for those of you who are familiar with the Hindu gods, you have Ganesh, who's got this elephant head. And one of the ideas about Ganesh is that he uses his big ears to sweep away obstacles, to clear things out. And that's how we want to approach life. Whatever there is that is preventing us from either properly expressing ourselves, from feeling connected, from feeling a sense of peace and tranquility— Let's get all of that out of the way, do what we need to do, and then get back to that state as soon as possible. And hopefully we go through this life and we have more of those moments than we don't. And that's it. That's really all we have. Life is a collection of time. 
So the more moments that we can spend in that state of quiet contentment, the better off we are. There's really no greater or grander purpose than that. It might sound banal, but if you really go into it, it's very logical. All we have is this collection of time. So let's spend the time in a way that serves us as best as possible. So that's the ideal if we take this Buddhist line of thinking. And as I've reflected on life, I I agree with that point of view. And it doesn't mean that we're also just sitting around doing nothing. So the other extreme is, oh, you just sit under a tree and do nothing and you've got a big smile on your face. No, it's not that. You have to constantly do. We are manifestations of divinity. We have to express that. We have to create. We have to connect with other people. But if we can do that, we can find that contentment. We can find that harmony, strike that balance. So we want to approach life with that mindset, yet we end up in situations a lot of the time where we're somehow doing the opposite. So we've gotten flipped around. It's almost like we're standing on our heads. And instead of clearing out the obstacles that are going to bring us joy, we're actively creating problems that don't serve us at all, that do nothing for us except destroy our life experience. We're carrying around anxiety about nothing. I've had this discussion over and over with different people that we can't deal with non-existent problems. We can deal with what's happening here and now, in the present. If we're talking about some hypothetical in the future, unless there's action that we can take right now to mitigate the future impact, there's absolutely nothing we can do. We cannot deal with a non-existent problem. Yet that's what we're constantly doing in our minds with anxiety. We're worried about promotions. We're worried about presentations. We're comparing ourselves to other people. Uh, We are concerned that we're not living the right way or we don't have enough. And instead of it being a concrete set of issues that we can deal with, it's just this vague sense that something is wrong or that there's something better that we need need to be doing. So that's an example of a problem that weighs on us, that that hangs on us almost like a cloud. You know, those cartoons where you've got that cloud that follows people around, but it's a self-created cloud and it's raining on us and it's destroying us. It's robbing us of that joy that we want to feel. Uh, You can think about petty arguments that we get into to serve the ego. Yeah, maybe it feels good to strike out, to yell at someone, to swear at someone. We've talked before about how some of this can escalate and petty incidents of what seems like a petty incident escalates into road rage. People can lose their lives over what? Over absolutely nothing. Over the need to feel strong for a particular moment. Or you think about, again, the, the sense of urgency that we have. We get worked up in certain states. Oh, my God, we're going to be late. So we're screaming at the family. We're testy. Uh, we're rude. Uh, we are rushing the kids out. Uh, the kids are crying. They're bursting into tears because we're not listening to what they're saying. We don't have any patience for them. Also, that we can get somewhere a few minutes earlier. But what has that done to us? What has that done to the precious time that we're spending with our family that could be a source of joy. Instead, it's turning into a source of stress, and it's draining us. So it's kind of interesting, Z, that for whatever reason, we've gotten to a point where we manufacture problems. We have difficulty at times ridding ourselves of habits that we know are self-destructive, 
it could be that we we overindulge, we eat too much, we don't exercise enough. That destroys our health. If we're not healthy and vibrant, it's very hard to have that joyful, uh, peaceful, harmonious existence. But we do that maybe either because we're lazy or because we want that momentary hit, uh, that temporary pleasure. Or maybe it's just become so ingrained that we don't know anything else. So the question I would have for you, Z, to, to start out, you could offer us your thoughts on this concept of joy and clearing out obstacles, and maybe also help our audience think about what are some of the things we do that are destructive, and how can we start clearing those up and shifting that mindset from inviting problems and creating problems to clearing up problems so that we can really live. So, Vin, you said some things that um, I'm sitting here really um, taking mental notes of so that I can cover each point and, and hopefully offer um, something worthwhile to the conversation. I want to go first. You mentioned Ganapati. And um, I want to go a little bit over that because our, our, our whole topic is, when we talk about joy, and I started out with the idea, of, is it worth your life? Um, here at this media project we're doing, the Dharma Media Project, the Opt Out, um, the Dispassion Observer, all these titles and brandings we have, inevitably it is to mitigate human suffering and to get us to a, a better place in this short life and hopefully live a very fulfilling life, live a century or more um, being well. And here are all the things that ravage our life. We talk about the ravages, the things you need to look out for as you are on this this hundred year journey. Things that can undermine your journey, who could take you off track, that could shorten your life. Ganapati, if you see the renderings of the Lord Ganesh, he rides on a mouse, and the reason the Lord rides on a mouse is that he moves obstacles, both large and small, out of the way. He moves, wherever your problem is, big or small, that Lord offers you an opportunity to clear it away through knowledge, compassion, with the strength of an elephant, with the determination. Interesting about that archetype, an elephant is the largest mammal walking earth. But an elephant can step on an egg and not break it. Did you know that? An elephant can sense an egg under its foot. Elephants have memories that exceed human memory. I had a dear Swami friend that grew up with a pet elephant. And the elephant never knew he would, they never, never treated him like he was bigger than everybody. He would be imposing and funny stories his family tells about the elephant knocking the wall out of the house and helping out and so forth. But the obstacles in life, both big and small, that can distract you from joy, that's what I want us to, to think about and work on. Because when there is no joy, what is the purpose of life? And if there is no life purpose, the impetus of life, even on a cellular level, starts to decline. The telomeres of your cells, the axiom of your brain, the neurons in your brain start to withdraw. Misery does not beget life. Endless angst, endless stress, endless negative drama 
does not beget longevity. It shortens your days on this earth. Having a purpose, having connection, having nurturing and nurturing extends your life. It enriches your daily life. It improves your immune system. So if we think about Lord Ganesh and we have our Ganapati, our elephant god, we think about every day, may you move the obstacles away from me that prevent me from having joy. Those obstacles could be physical obstacles, adversities in your life that hinder your life or affect your survival. It could be your mental state and your temperament. So the big things and the small things. The small things are material things. The big things are emotional, psychological things. So we turn to Lord Ganesh and pray. Om Namaha Ganesh. Be with me. Another thing you talked about was the stories we hear every day of people engaged in anger that ends in homicidal violence. Though you think it will never happen to you, it happens every day in some minor outburst of rage, anger, pushing, shoving, me and my isms of all kinds. You're in my lane. I was first. You didn't give me what I wanted. And so we're creating this volatile situation in our environment where we're living, we're no longer living in a, a, a really well-oxygenated environment. We're living in a volatile, flammable environment of anger, rage, urgency. You told the story about the people, I've seen this many times, where people are in a rush to go somewhere and the family is fighting and bickering. Um, I, I recall, go, I, I have some cousins that I never liked to go places with because there was a lot of them. I don't know how many of them was in this one house. Just to, to this day, there might have only been eight or nine of them, but to me it seemed like it was an army of people because they were all you know, brothers and sisters and they had all this weird dynamic going on and you'd be like the cousin that came in and into this chopping block. You know, when you have somebody with a lot of cousins, you know, a big family of brothers and sisters, yes. and then you go visit them. Yes. They fight you and then you fight one of them and they all jump on. It's just... It's, yeah. It's just horrifying. It's very traumatizing as children, um, because you know it, 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 numbers are different as a child. You know, you, you, so they would all pile in a car together, and it was always chaotic. And they said, "Okay, we're going to have fun. Okay, we're going somewhere a fun place." But it was so hard to go anywhere. It's just like by the time you got there, you were exhausted, miserable. You didn't want to do it again. I think about people who fight with the families to go to events. Oh, we're going to go to the circus and we're running late. How could you be late to the circus? Aren't you supposed to be having fun? If it's that hard to do, don't do it. If having fun is hard to do, it's not fun. I want us to think about that. If it's hard to do, it's not fun. Okay? So no more fighting and arguing and bickering so you can hurry up and get somewhere. So you were, th you were talking about that and that really touched a vein because I've been through those experiences and they're some of the most difficult experiences. That's the easiest way to destroy a day. It's the easiest way to destroy your day. Is especially on a day off. 
to plan things with urgency. You ever heard of people that had to take vacations after they came back from vacation? I've heard this. You need a vacation from the vacation. Wow. This is the opposite of joy. I'm not saying you should lounge around in a lazy, uh, uh, sloth-like fashion. But focus on joy. Avoid petty drama. Because in that teaching, it's always asking us to observe the transiency of human life. And don't be fooled by thinking that you can do this over again, or you can do it next year or next week, so you can spoil today. Because you'll have many other days you can make up for the day you spoiled. Don't ruin your day with things that didn't do that didn't really matter. So those things you talked about, and then as you ask the question of what 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 is the what is joy? Joy is the fulfillment of duty, the respite of after duty fulfilled. You finish your duty. It provides for you and your family. That was a good thing. You rest in the contentment. Contentment, the clear mind, guilt-free. You don't feel that you've stolen from another. You don't feel that you were betrayed or betrayed another. You did your best and you let it go. That opens you up for contentment. Contentment is joy. So if we think about that, we can relieve ourselves of a lot of the tension, the stress, the angst that undermines our well-being. We also can have more clarity in our devotion to life. I talk about that a lot because I've known of a lot of sudden losses in my life. And those are the most dreadful things in the world is that knock at the door that missing person at the table, the closet full of clothes that will never be worn again by that person, the lingering scent of that loved one, the property of that person that will never be reclaimed by them, but it's in your world and they're gone on to the eternity. And you want to ask yourself at that moment, did we enjoy each other's company? Was, did, they, did I bring them joy and did they bring me joy, contentment? You want to say yes to that. So we'll start here by being very careful on how we undermine our joy by asking the simple question whenever you find yourself in situations that are building and brewing and creating tension, is it worth your life? You guys follow what I'm saying? Is it worth your life? I got Caitlin and Jante here. and Of course, Jante's involved in some sort of online video game, but I'm still uh, querying him. But let's, I'd like to, you guys to give me some feedback so we can share with everybody. You guys follow what we're saying? It's like, does it, is it worth your life? Like think about arguments or... <laughs> 
battles we've had with people. Um, it's one of the most painful things. And, and, it's, and it has a, an equation of pain to be in conflict with people based on the pettiness of it. Like, the more petty it is, the worse it feels like. You know what I mean? A friend, a neighbor, a relative, especially your family and loved ones, is like, good God. We lost how many hours and how many days? Right? How many weeks did we lose over this? Of course you think of the people out in the world who lose their life. And they weren't happy doing it. It was not like they were partying and, and some terrible thing happened. They were fighting over a lane in traffic or whose burger order was right, right? You're seeing this kinds of stuff. <laughs> well, we're in the Kali Yuga, so you, you know, we're in the, this, this difficult time. But I'd like to hear from Caitlin and Jante, too, on that. What are your guys' thoughts? What are you guys' thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I don't think it's worth it. But I, in the past, I get caught up in it. It's hard to navigate it when you're in it. Uh, I think for me, the anchor is... And I learned this from you a few years ago when I started here about petty skirmishes. You talked about that a lot in one of the Tai Chi classes. One of our lessons is conserving energy. And when I started thinking of uh, how that translates in our day-to-day -day, you know, uh, interactions with people, I started realizing, yeah, it does take a tremendous amount of action um, energy to do those and how at the they're draining and they go nowhere so i was able to let things go i do find myself able to let things go quicker but i'm yeah. still human yeah we're working on it we're working on it constantly what about you jay yeah very similar um I mean, you you know my family background, you know where we come from, all that. I do not do well with passive aggressive behavior, so that's where like petty skirmishes come up for me, because for passive aggressiveness for some reason pushes a button in me. Everything else, I'm kind of like, all right, I know where this can go. If it goes there, it goes there. If not, cool. I'm trying to go home. Just want to go home. But with passive aggressive stuff, you've seen the interactions I've had with people where it, I then want to take it to a further place. And even that's not worth it. That's why I always have that discussion from the art of war and the petty skirmish. Yeah. Takes as much energy as a major battle, but it gives you little return. Yep. So at least if you fight a major battle, there's a greater bounty in, in, in winning that battle. Yeah. In a petty skirmish, everybody loses. It's a waste of your time but it costs you the same emotional and spiritual resources. Yep. One of the cancers, one of the precursors of cancer is chronic stress, chronic noodling, needling, minor stress. You can see a person's blood pressure tick up in these kind of petty interactions. Even the anticipation of them yep. And it works on you on a cellular level. 
Maybe it's just a few points of blood pressure up, right? A few beats of your heart go up a little more per minute. Yeah. It's That's not even worth it because over time it undermines your life. Yeah. It wastes your energy. This idea that you must be in front, I must win at all things, or whatever the ego is, is doing, whatever the ego is, is dancing on your brain for, it is beneficial to subdue that. Because most things that people are suffering from are not worth the suffering they're going through. Being angry and bitter at someone, it doesn't do anything for us. It really doesn't. And the closer that person is to you, the worse it is. Because it wastes your time. It wastes your life. It is... Once it does well when we're a devotee of time, the God of time, the relentless taskmaster. And as we devote ourselves to it, we see how well our time is spent and we understand how short our time is, how valuable it is. And so you ask yourself, how much time do I want to spend mad at somebody? How much time do I want to spend avoiding conflict and, and dancing around that with somebody when it doesn't even have to be that at all? That's where we learn to set up healthy boundaries. Maybe there are things that set people off. It's something I've learned in, in, in over the years is certain conflicts are like allergens. Maybe there's a, a word that initiates a negative interaction with someone. Maybe there's a phrase. Maybe there's something that, that goes on that you know is the, the, is the pin in the grenade. Don't pull the pin. You don't have to start every fight. You don't have to push every button that says don't push. Right? You know how kids you say don't push that button and they just go and push that button. What does this button right? do? Right? We have the medical device that has a big two big red emergency buttons on it. I just had to push them today to see what would happen. Just, <laughs> I just had to push them because it was we have a new machine, right? And I'm I'm working on the machine and it has just two big nice red buttons on both sides. It says emergency only. Wow, what does that do? And I had to push it into the alarm. I couldn't turn the alarm off. Remember, I had to figure out how to reprogram it and get the alarm off. But that's how the that's how we behave. But as we become more enlightened, we don't want to do that. So you get to know people, and as tough as it is, as much as we're pursuing joy and enlightenment, we must also honor the nature of things. People come up the way they are. They grow the way they grow, and you can't make them grow the way you want them to grow. But what we can mutually do is honor those buttons. Certain people don't, don't hit the button. Let's just not hit the button. Let's just move harmoniously through life. And as the Tao says, the straightest path is a bit crooked. So sometimes we just work our way around situations. Okay. And we can still get along. Did you know that? You can still get along with people even if you have healthy boundaries. Did you know that? Not everybody has to be the all in all with everybody. Everybody's got their big red button. Right? And if we understand that, then don't push it. 
Over the years, I've tried to make my big red button a little bit smaller and a not as bright red. But I have my own buttons. You guys have all seen the things that trigger me uh, in a certain way. There are certain things that uh, push me, so to say. And I've learned to manage them over, over and over. And I hope that through the pursuit of steady intelligence that I get better and better and that button becomes smaller and smaller until it's no longer a big button but a micro switch somewhere that nobody can see. And so therefore we can maintain joyful interactions with one another, share joy with each other, and be joyful ourselves in our interactions by understanding the nature of people. We also can use as a tool, as one of our mantras in our mantra wheel, rolling that wheel as we move through life, just like the wheel of Dharma, and say, is it worth your life to create conflict, to grow tension, to have outbursts of anger, to, um, to lose time with people that make up your life? Because we are the people that know us and love us. Can we, we turn that wheel of mantras and just in a moment, check ourselves. Just check yourself. So, you don't do like Caitlin does. Sometimes Caitlin has these outbursts, racial slurs, everything. Just, it's horrible. And then she'll calm down. But we know she's like that, so we can see her. Before Caitlin goes off, her face puffs up. You ever notice that? <laughs> like a cobra? No, like a blowfish. <laughs> oh my God. You know that puffer fish? What is it called, the puffer fish? Kayla gets, Kaylin gets puffy in the face and she looks like an Inuit Indian even though she's like a Lakota or something. She looks like another tribe. And then you know she's going to say something crazy. So then what did I do? Hey, Kaylin, can you go get me a brownie? And she goes and gets me a brownie. By the time she comes back, she's okay. You follow me, Vin? Oh, man. Yeah, that's funny as shit. <laughs> Yeah, well, as you say, Z, all of life is strategy. I think having these strategies, you seem to have them particularly well thought out. And maybe it's because you spend so much time with the people around you at work, uh, sorting out people's lives. I would say as a general principle, even if you don't have everyone figured out to the same extent, most of these interactions just aren't worth it. I mean, if you know nothing else, you know that the vast majority of the time, call it 90%, maybe 95%, it's best not to engage. Most arguments are a waste of time. Most conflicts are a waste of time. A lot of conversations are a waste of time, even if it's not a conflict. There are certain people where I know that if I hang out with them, it's going to have an effect on me, a negative effect. So don't do it. You know, Either it's going to be draining or it's going to be listening to someone complain, or I see this, uh, Rebecca, for example, she's got a friend, and every time she hangs out with his friend, it's uh, some weird competition for who's got more stuff and who's leading the more, more exciting life, and that always throws her off. So just having an awareness of what these situations are allows us to follow that crooked path and get towards that place of contentment that place of joy without expending too much of our time and our energy. Uh, yeah, it just fascinates me as I think about it uh, because 
you said that most of uh, of these skirmishes are a waste of time and energy. And I'm just struggling as we're talking to think about situations where it actually is worth having a fight or getting into an argument or carrying around stress. Maybe it is. I'm sure at some points it is. But then you have to ask yourself again, what is your life about? What do you care about? If it's some principle that's worth defending, that you're willing to die for, that you believe in, that speaks to your humanity, where you have no choice but to do it, then God bless. Then go in and do it and take the risk or suffer the outcome. But most of the time, it's not that. It's just the the bullshit in the background that that brings us down and keeps us down. And it's almost like we, we don't even realize it because we're swimming in it all the time. That perhaps is the worst part. It's always there. So much of our interaction is this pettiness, it's anxiety, it's jealousy, it's creating drama, talking about how unfortunate we are or how many problems we have. And social interactions become about that. And so maybe that's why it's difficult to extricate ourselves. Number one, because we don't know what the alternative is. We're just in this swamp all of the time. We don't know what it's like to be outside of the swamp. And two, it's not just us, it's other people. So if we don't do that, how are we going to socialize? What are we going to talk to people about if we're not complaining, uh, if we're not magnifying the fears that are in our head, if we're not dramatizing everything that's going on around us and talking about what a catastrophic state the world is in, about how horrible certain people are, uh, the other side, whether it's political factions or other tribes, what do you actually do with your time? And it gets back to what we've talked about in the past, where we need that anchor. We need to know what life is about. And maybe that's one of the lessons that we can take away when we think about joy. And I'll ask for your thoughts in a second, Z. But to have that joy and that that sense of peace and contentment, we need to know what our duty is. So we said earlier, the joy is what happens after we discharge that duty. So we do what we need to do. We do our job. We take care of our family. We contribute to the world. We hopefully uplift the people around us. We work on ourselves. We evolve. And if we do all of that, we have some peace. We have some contentment. But we have to know what those things are. If we don't know what those are, that's when we get into all this petty nonsense. And maybe that's what really drags us down. Another expression that we use in this podcast is that nature abhors a vacuum. And if there is that vacuum of purpose and mission in our lives, it's just filled with total inanity, with complete nonsense. So it's the habit of looking at your phone every five seconds. It's the tendency to get lost in your own mind. It's the tendency to complain, uh, to do things that you know aren't going to serve your health but they provide some temporary relief to whatever anxiety you're going through. Talk about that for a second, Z. How should we think about purpose as it relates to joy? Vin, you said you said it, and, and I want everybody to know I really, really love the relationship that, that Vin and I share um, because for me it's inspirational. Um, and each of you and each of the people that I work with, each of them gives me a great sense of duty and purpose. 
And Vin said something here. I hope everybody heard that. When you discharge your duty, when you fulfill your duty, the reward of that is joy, contentment. When one, what is your duty? Your duty, your duty is the full effort that one puts into their life purpose, whatever that may be. And once you have fulfilled that duty, you find that you can rest in contentment. Thus you have joy, which is the purpose of life. I think about the different people in my life. Oh, and, and, and as, as our life is dynamic and orbiting and moving. I have um, some young men I work with every few days on the Century Project, Manny and Shelley. Very, very, very dear friends to me and inspiration. And I am working on with them on something called the Century Project so that you can live to be healthy for 100 years. And in fulfilling that duty, it, I study and I've developed a passion for studying longevity. And I've learned so much in the last few years, even more so than I've learned 20 years prior to that, and each time that we push that envelope and we work on the experiments and we try the new techniques and I see the results, I have this soft, deep feeling in me that I did something. When I work with the young people here and my duty to them is to pass on whatever information or knowledge I have from my journey through life, that they will be walking in my footsteps or going down the path that I've gone. And I can share with them things that I've learned from the frontier, as I do with you. It does something. It's indescribable. It's not... What it's not is not this over-the-top fireworks going off uh, cosmic orgasm thing that people would seem to be looking for. It's very soft. It's like lying under a tree on a beautiful day and taking a nap in the forest. I've done that. And nothing was around, just the quiet and the sounds of nature. And I just felt good. I felt peaceful. That's what it leaves me with. With all the stresses in the world, with all the trouble, all the, the weight that comes with making it through life in modern times. That's my rest. It's the dynamic rest of the discharging of duty. So I feel that joy, even if I've had challenges throughout the day or through the day or whatever, and I'm grumpy or I'm tired or uh, there's a lot going on. Just the mechanisms and the commerce of life can weigh heavily on anyone. And if at different times, in different ways, sometimes it's emotional, sometimes it's uh, spiritual, sometimes it's social, sometimes it's material. These are the effects of gravity on planet Earth. There are inevitable stresses in life. 
that we are always trying to navigate. But we are able to navigate those because we have the energy to do it, because we rested in joy. We discharged our duties. And the reward of that is joy. And the elements of joy give you energy. There are many things, many pitfalls one could avoid that are simple pitfalls. Don't introduce undue stress into your life. It's okay to say no to things. It's okay to take a break. It's okay to accept that your temperament and your way of being isn't always going to fit with everybody you meet. Avoid conflicts that bring you nothing. Of course, stand and fight when you need to fight. But pick that moment because that fight will be a life and death struggle. If it's not a life or death struggle, ask yourself, is it worth your life? If the bounty of victory requires the loss of life, ask yourself, is it worth it? You think about driving on the highways in Southern California where there are many violent interactions on the road. I'm very aware of that when you drive around with children and things like that in your car and they're talking and everybody is, many people on their cell phones, they're distracted driving or they're racing to I don't know where. And every day you can talk about an incident of someone tailgating you, pursuing you, um, cutting you off, yelling at you for reasons that, that are unknown to anyone but, but the, 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 psychic, the psychotic member of their own mind. And you're aware that you might say, my God, what's going on in the world? Where, where are they rushing to? Why are they so angry? Well, because they have no joy in their life. The things that they've pursued that would bring them fulfillment was really fulfillment, right? We talked about that a long time ago. Foolish things. Endless consumerism, moreism, comparing yourselves to others, chasing the tail of, 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 of the, the, the wild weasel of madness in this society. Trying to compare yourself to an influencer or these textogramming people that are happy all the time that commit suicide once they don't have enough likes on it. This is... This thing that people are caught up into, let us opt out of this. Find that peace where you're at. Be careful of the divisive nature of political and social discourse nowadays. Be careful of our own habit nature, where we reflexively flip to one side or the other, like a binary switch. Life is not binary. It has many areas of gray, of haze, of flux. You may be on one side of one thing, but on the other side of another, and that's okay. You can weave that way. Don't be an absolutist, because you'll find yourself digging a deep hole of misery. The purpose of life is joy. One finds joy through, as Vin said, the discharging of duty. Find your duty, and you'll find your joy. Huh, Vin? Yes, yeah, we're talking to you, I'm also thinking about being present. And 
that's related to everything we've been talking about. Uh, but I, I see it at a personal level when I interact with people and there's a level of engagement and presence. The entire dynamic changes. It almost goes, you know, when someone is preoccupied, like when they're on their cell phone or they're looking around a room for someone better to talk to or whatever, they've got something on their mind and they've got this nervous energy. I always find that I would rather be alone than deal with that. Having that person there, even if I'm not interacting with them, just the fact that their mind isn't there is costly to me to be in that presence. It makes me uncomfortable for whatever reason. And when you contrast that to being in a situation where you're engaged, I mean, one, personally, at an individual level, if I'm engaged and my mind is clear, that's when that contentment sinks in. It's very hard to get that contentment. Maybe it's impossible to get that contentment if you're this frenzy of thought and emotion and you're feeling your chest pounding and your heart beating and just too many things racing and you're, you're jumpy. That's not a recipe for any kind of joy. So it's important to maintain that in ourselves, but it's also important in our interactions because when we're with people and they're present, that is energy giving. We're giving, there's an exchange of life and we're giving something, whether it's emotion, comfort, connection, some sense that this life is more than just our lonely existence on this planet. We're part of some greater movement, some larger humanity. There's a comfort in that. There's a stillness in that. There's a beauty in those moments. And it just feels very relaxing. I think about the vacation we just had. We were away for Thanksgiving. And the entire family dynamic was different because we were able to disengage from the emails and the cell phones and and the constant thoughts of what might be going on or what am I missing or what do I have to respond to. Even if that stuff is almost there, it was kind of like we were the self-contained unit. And in that little bubble, that, that shield that we had, the rest of the world couldn't affect us. And because of that, the dynamic was completely different. Um, it was very restorative, Z. I mean, it was just a, a great feeling. It was almost like like getting to know each other anew uh, because it was such a different interaction than than being in the everyday stresses and being caught up in the urgency and the anxiety. So I would say... Presence, to me, is a huge part of this, dropping that sense of urgency, the the false sense of urgency, conditioning ourselves, or maybe deconditioning ourselves is the better term, because we're conditioned to look for what's next. So losing that conditioning, allowing ourselves to sink into whatever is happening right now is a powerful prescription to bring us towards that joy. And one other thought comes to me, on this topic, I remember at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020, 
it was actually incredibly freeing. And I tend to think of myself, rightly or wrongly, as being pretty aware of my internal state and when I'm anxious. And I've got strategies for dealing with that so I can get more to that state of contentment. But I was surprised because we were hanging out. And if you remember the first few months of the pandemic, there was nowhere to go. There was nothing to do. Everything was shut down. We were with the kids. And it was like a weight had had slipped away. We don't have to schedule anything. We don't have to think about where we're going. We can just enjoy whatever we're doing. Even if we're doing nothing, we're hanging out together. That's great. That's beautiful. And again, not to take it to an extreme, I'm not saying you never do anything, but it was very instructive for me because it was a sense of urgency that I wasn't even aware of. And I've got to imagine that it's just because that's how we're trained to operate and everyone else around us operates the same way. So that's all I would add to what you say, Z. Um, Having that, that presence, having that engagement is something that can get us life back, get us energy back, get us more in that joyful state. Yeah, Vin, I, I, I feel moved by this whole conversation as I'm listening and I'm visualizing that moment when we, early on, when, when everything was shut down. And it was very peaceful. And internally, I think about all of us the conflicts that we have that simply drain life. Each of us listening, each of us sitting together, there will be a day when we will know the day when one of us will be no more. And as I've said before, on the day before, the day of, and the day after, there will be many remembrances reflections, thoughts. What's the last thing you said to someone? What's the thing you wish you would have said to someone? And what do you regret saying to someone? As they say in Vedas, the the God of time is a relentless taskmaster that tarries with no one. Let us fulfill our duty Let us avoid the distractions and pitfalls that bring us nothing. I struggle with the habit nature of myself with others all the time. The news that we hear is bad news. It is designed that way. The social views are corrupted. There are things that the intelligent mind understands what the ignorant mind craves. There is no us in them. There is no nation superior to another. There is no man, woman that has a better grasp on life than that that wants to live more than someone else who are at least in a healthy mental state. Can we just stay in our lane? Focus on what we're doing like good drivers The congestion on the highways has a single cause of the discourteous nature of people. That's what researchers have found, why highways are so congested, is because the lack of general courtesy, the lack 
of general courtesy hinders commerce and costs billions of dollars in money, in wasted time, in pollution. What if you and I and the people that we know, part of their duty was to be courteous, to observe our own habit nature and work on it, acknowledge our fears, our angst, our demons, work on them, clean our house first before we complain about the state of another's. How about we work on being an example to the world as opposed to complaining about the world? And then with that, we nurture those who are like-minded, like-willed, like-defined, and make that our race. Then if that's part of our duty in discharging that, you find joy, you find purpose, and our world's a little better for this century project this hundred-year ride, if we do it right, less the intervention of fate, we can have each other in our lives for most of our lives. You follow me, Ben? Yeah, Z. I feel like we've come full circle, that we're back to the question we posed at the beginning, what is life worth? What is this life about? What are we willing to trade our joy for? If the baseline of life is joy and contentment and we're doing things to obstruct it, what are we getting in exchange? And again, at times, yeah, maybe we sacrifice. At times, maybe we sacrifice joy now for someone else's joy or for a better life in the future or for something that just moves us so much we have no other option. We can't be alive. We can't be us unless we take a certain course of action. But all of that requires an awareness and an intent. And what we've been talking about, Z, is really the absence of that. Because when we don't have that awareness, we don't have that purpose, that's when all of the background noise comes in. And it's really like uh, like a leech or something that that drains us, robs us of our joy. It's a tax on the system that provides nothing in exchange. So the more we can fill those holes, seal those cracks, those moments of inattention, fix those bad habits, we can get to the point where we're making more intelligent decisions. We are in control of how we're spending our time, how we're living our life, what we are sacrificing for and everything else we, we sidestep, we put aside, we get in that Ganesh mindset that we talked about earlier. If there's a problem, let's clear it up, and let's keep on clearing those things up so that we can keep on coming back to that state of peace and that state of contentment. So that's really it for me, Z. There you go, Vin. So let's wrap it up, and everybody, maybe we carry this with us for a while. Discharge your duty, you'll have joy. The purpose of life is joy. If it doesn't bring you joy, don't do it. All right. Thank you, Marie Kondo. Good conversation. 
If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.